This podcast is recorded in front of an unwitting audience. This is True Crime Kent. And we are back up. Episode 47. 47. Yes. 47. Yeah. Hey, uh, what? What's the weirdest thing you've ever found in your attic? Or what's the weird? What's the weirdest thing in your attic right now, aside from some frail children that have been missing since uh, <laughs> two thousand and one? I that are living off breadcrumbs and uh, semen. <laughs> Somebody the other day said all your shows starting to sound the same. I'm like, no, TCK. <laughs> Case in point. Yeah, just like the others. <laughs> just like the others. Nah, yeah, this is this one stands alone. Um, oh, I don't know. What's in? What's what's the weirdest thing in my attic right now? Uh, there's nothing. Nothing is really weird. Just just your standard fare. I guess we'll see what else. What I got up there? I got an ozone machine. Uh, a stu- uh, Oh, a studio. Yeah. You know when people are in a recording studio and there's the, like the rappers in one room and then the the producers in the other and they're talking to each other through the window and like somebody's yeah. pushing a button and being like, I've seen straight hey, out of Compton. Yeah. Razzy G, uh, could you give us another sick beat? Yeah. You know, that whole, that talk back thing through. Yeah. So I have a talk. A Cruising down talk. the street in my six foot. Yeah. yeah. You'd be in the rapper part of the booth. And then the yeah. other guy would be like, that was really good. Jizzy G. Um, you I know, don't think and, that was, yeah. But Jizzy we get, G. you get it. What? Yeah. Yeah. That's a pretty good name. You never found anything weird in your attic when you moved into any of your houses? Well, I have the studio talkback controller in there, which I really probably should sell. They're like 900 bucks, and it's just sitting there. I don't even have a studio to use. I don't talk to anybody. I have a sock press up there, uh, naturally. Uh, like you do. Yeah. Oh, here's a weird thing. A cider stabilizer. Yeah, I got cider stabilizer, only because what good is it in the attic? Everyone knows that you should be using that stuff regularly to stabilize your, your cider. How old is the house you live in? In human years or house years? In normal years that people understand. Yes. Uh, I think it was built in 2000. Oh, so it hasn't even been. I don't 11? even need you to finish that question. Mm. Not even been there long enough to, to acquire your attic, to acquire anything interesting. No, no, odd. yeah, yeah. In, in house years, it's it 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 just loves TikTok, <laughs> and at most, it has some Sammy Sosa baseball cards. Yeah, yeah. whenever he was black, from when he was black. Yep. Did he change? Sa- yeah, he's white now. Really? Yeah. How'd that happen? I'm not even making a joke. Did he like do that alopecia skin treatment? I don't know thing? what it is. Top in Sammy Sosa 2022. Sosa 2022. Oh, whoa. How does he do that? What? I'm looking at one where he's like in on the field and he's It's shocking. Yeah, that's not possible. It you're looking at it. How? That's not that that can't that can't be. I'm looking at it side by side right now and it doesn't make any He looks like a weather reporter for a southern news agency. He looks he looks like when you're looking at somebody through a night camera and their skin tone 
is not what you would expect because it's pitch dark in there, but the green light is reflecting and giving off a unnatural color. He looks like that version of himself. He looks he like the looks night like camera He's version. been very poorly embalmed. Yeah. It looks like he he was taken care of in a mortuary mortuary in Venezuela. That's that's so, what he looks like. What's funny is you don't even have to like I just googled Sammy Sosa 2022 and literally like the first page is all Sammy Sosa skin bleaching. Sammy Sosa uh denies ped use, which uh, okay. Is that uh, Sam why did Sammy Sosa bleach his skin? Like yeah. Okay, so this is a thing. Wow, interesting. I did not know that. And I mean, should I mean why people lay in beds and give themselves cancer to be darker? So I support. I, hey, if you want to go a few shades lighter, I say go for it. Oh yeah, bodybuilders rub orange shit on them, and then they go out there, and their face is white, but the rest of their body looks like Sammy Sosa before pictures. My grandma decided to uh, dye her her face purple, like old ladies do. You know how they try to offset the color of their old people's skin so they, they color their faces purple? Yeah. Right. I don't know. No. I just was going along, but no, I've never heard of that. An ozone machine. Those are cool. You know what an ozone machine is, right? My house was built in 1947. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And when we moved in here, the only thing that was in the attic was an air conditioner, I think, from uh, 1744. <gasps> They didn't even have them then. It has the weight of a dying star. That's how much it weighs. I don't know how the fuck they got it up there. It's got to be 600 pounds. It's just a window unit, but it looks like, all jokes aside, that was made in the 60s. And it is so heavy. I cannot even describe. It's like... Part of me wants to think they built the house around it. I was just they about to They put it in the attic that. and then built the house around it. Yeah. Maybe. Because I don't even think it'd fit through the hole that you got to use because you got to pull down the, 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 the stairs, right? It's got the, we've got the door. You pull it down uh-huh. by the string and then the stairs fold out. This fucking thing wouldn't even fit through the hole. So I don't even know how they got it up there. But what, even weirder than that, when we moved in this house, were some grocery shelves from the 1950s. What are grocery shelves? Shelves. I said shelves. And I, and I think you oh. knew that. Yeah. But. Like what you put goods on, are we used to when they were affordable? <laughs> now you have to eat them on the run. <laughs> There's no shelf needed. There was 1950s grocery shelves and air conditioner, but since then we've added some weird thumbs stuff. There's a bunch of there's a metric fuck ton of old video game consoles and games up there now that I've added. Um, now because of us, there's a huge box of vintage Playboys um, that my wife inherited from her mother after she died. Wait, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on, hang on. This this whole this whole box is following the wrong side of a family tree. It, it, they were your they were her her mother. They were my mother in laws. Yes. They were your mother in laws. My mother in law was a wild lady, and she was awesome. And she collected oddities. She was into everything weird, and we just got a bunch of weird, cool stuff. What was uh, she try? Okay, but but honestly, seriously. A woman who hoards a box of vintage Playboys, to me, that screams edgelord. Like, is she an edgelord? She wasn't an edgelord. No, she was so just she, a really cool lady. She like, there, was, she, there was all kinds of cool stuff. Like, was there arousal? Like, was this an No, there like was a, no arousal. Just, 
she really liked the old Playboys and liked keeping them in good condition, like the ones with Marilyn Monroe and all that stuff. And hmm. uh, a lot of a lot of Marilyn Monroe stuff, actually. And there's so also re- in our attic a child's yeah. coffin. <laughs> Wait a second. And it's that's there true. right now? Right now. There's a child's coffin up there. <laughs> okay, now I have a very pertinent I have a very We inherited pertinent, that also from her mother. Okay, I have a very pertinent question about is this. Is it used? Is no. that what you're going to ask me? No, question is this. Whose room is below the coffin? I hadn't even thought about that, actually. Please yeah, don't tell the, me it's, it's Samuels. It's the room. It's the room. <laughs> it is, oh, it is no. the room. It's Samuel's room? But, I mean, we've brought that coffin with us to everywhere we moved. Yeah, and nothing so weird what? started happening until we moved here. We've had that coffin since the early days of our marriage. And it's like a probably an early 1900s coffin. Yeah, so like a coffin-shaped. It's probably about four foot long. Probably about two foot wide. It was for probably a, f- a three or four year old. I was still hung up on the fact that it's above Sam- Samuel's room, and we've talked about the paranormal activity that's happened in Samuel's room. Uh, but did I miss the part? Did you say where, why you have it? Like, wh- where was it? What's the provenance here? It was something that her mom had that w- that we just got after she died. Somebody has taken the now that I said it hasn't been used, but somebody has taken the filling the the fabric out of it. And no, that's everything. called a body. Yeah, the filling in a, in a coffin is called a body. Like the the cushion, the cushion, the the stuffing, and everything. Oh, the padding. Okay, like so maybe the, it was an exhumed coffin. Uh, I don't. Know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, maybe they would had get to take kinda, it out because of the rot. It was icky. Pro- yeah. Okay. But yeah, that's up in our attic. I mean, her mom's ashes are also in her closet in her bedroom. Suddenly, I'm not surprised at all. That in my house parent. right now, we have human remains. And an, and an old child's coffin. <laughs> Holy cow. But you're aware of all, like everyone in the house aware is aware of, of it. Of, okay. I know. All yeah. Right. Okay. All right. Yeah. Man, I thought I was weird for having cider stabilizer. You are. Still weirder. Somehow. Yeah. Right. yeah. I hear That's you. not even, it's the sock press for me that makes you, makes <laughs> me not want to let you around my children. Uh, yeah. Uh, anyways, today we're going to be talking about a woman that had more things in her attic than a, than a bunch of old playboys in the children's coffin. And she had more sausages in her meat wallet than a German deli, too. And that's a euphemism for... Cocks in her pussy. Oh. <laughs> I, thought you, I thought you were going to say nothing. That's actually what, you know, that was literal. That was a euphemism for penises in her vagina. <laughs> yeah. Did not see that coming. And... I mean, that's an important part of the story. I'm not just being grotesque. She really, we'll get into it. So let's snorkel up and dive right on in, shall we? And this takes place in the early 1900s, so you better bring a machete. (laughs) Okay. Her God-given name was Walburga Corshell. She was, during her childhood, nicknamed Dolly. But Walburga Dolly Corshell was born June 12, 1880. And no matter where you go, we are unsure of her birthplace. We don't know where that happened. But one thing we can be sure of, however, is that her parents... That's weird. What? I think we know her birthplace. (laughs) Do do I need to tell you how my mom told me babies are made, Kent? 
I know. I mean, she was she fell out of a vagina. We know yeah, that, we, but we don't know yeah. what state or country the vagina is when she fell from it. When two people agree to a dowry and the hand grip of destiny is made, and everyone makes the standard shape in the room, we know we know where the everybody's birthplace is. What the fuck are you? What kind of midsummer white Mormon bullshit are you spouting about right now? Standard. How do they make babies in your religion? Did you say three people are in the room and you form a triangle? No, more than three. You got the two in the middle that are creating the hand grip of destiny. You know, you know, and then everybody else makes that standard shape. You've got two options. You got standard. Is this or during automatic. birthing or during planting the, whole, the seed? The whole process. Everybody is involved for for the whole the whole term of the birth. You know, <laughs> don't play with me, <laughs> you silly. This is standard, right? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, so is one guy responsible for catching the semen and throwing it into the... Is no, that what ta- the guy in the middle's for? No, the dowry towel. Dowry towel. You know. The dowry towel? Dowry towel, yeah. It's, so you it's soak con- the dowry towel and then wring it? Yeah. Shower of exception, you know. Shower of... Yeah. Can you leave? Yeah. Thank you. So, Walburga Dolly Corchell was born June 12, 1880. Like I said, we are unsure of her birthplace. birthplace. Uh, yeah. But one thing we can be sure of, Op, is that her parents hated her uh, because they named her Walburga. They sure Walberta Corchell sounds like no, something not Walberta. No, Walberta Wal- is way better than her real name, which is Walburga. Walburga Corchell. Sounds like something just fell off uh, off the top shelf of a... Like a bowling ball. That's the sound a bowling ball makes, like falling down off of a shelf onto the floor. Well, booger corsell. Yeah, sounds like the kind of woman that gets like caught on a gas station security camera shitting in the floor of a walk-in beer cave. <laughs> Ends up in world star hip hop. <laughs> Trashy white lady shits in floor of gas station. <laughs> Oh, man. (laughs) Now, her parents, Charles and Magdalena Korschel, they were German immigrants. And this is why we don't know where exactly she was born, because her birth was so close to them immigrating to the United States. So we don't know if Dolly was born in Germany uh, right before immigrating or if she was born in the United States right after arriving here. I see. Regardless of her birthplace, she was raised, grew up in Milwaukee, Wisconsin, in a small community that was nothing but other German immigrants. So she was with her own people there Schlamizo. in Wisconsin and Milwaukee. Schlamazo. Yeah. In 1882, when Walberga is two years old, her sister Magdalena is born. And Magdalena obviously made, named after their mother. Mm-hmm. Ultimately, though, this doesn't matter. So we're going to move along. Um, it's true. It doesn't matter. She doesn't come up for the rest of the story. Completely irrelevant. Magdalene ended up being a normal, completely normal human being that lived a completely normal existence. She got married. She had kids, died in her 70s uh, without making so much as even a small ripple in the pond of human existence like the rest of us are going to. Uh, kind of envious of that. Oh, you think you've made a ripple? No. no. <laughs> You're right. That did come out very – Wow. <laughs> There was a lot of weight behind what I just said, and I was just kind of throwing it out there offhand. Nobody's going to fucking know who we are in 50 years. I meant— You're just some dickhead that ran your fucking mouth on a microphone. <laughs> You're right. Ah, <laughs> oh, man. And me too. 
and good. That's what I say. Me Fuck too. It. Yeah. That. Anyways, we're having fun while we're here. <laughs> Life is like a 70-year spring break. It doesn't matter if they remember your name. Just get drunk and jerk off. Anyways, <laughs> I had some very lonely spring breaks. <laughs> Apparently. I was going to say. I don't know how many times I went to Cancun and just stayed in my room and racked up an insane cable bill. In 1889, when Walburga Dolly Courchelle was nine years old, her father, Charles, died at 34 years old of an undisclosed illness. It's not in any old newspapers. You're not going to find how he died anywhere. I don't know. Inf- influenza, Russian flu, yellow fever, tuberculosis, diphtheria. Pick one. I don't know. There were 20 million fucking ways to die in 1889. That's what made it so much fun. That's why nobody was on their phones. They were just living in the moment. <laughs> Sadly, her mother never remarried, and her mother spent the next few years doing the best she could, raising her two young daughters alone and just kind of getting by. All right. In 1893, (laughs) 1893, at 13 years old, Dolly was hired in an apron textile mill that was owned by a man named Wilhelm Ostrich. Ostrich? No, it's Ostrich. Ostrich. Uh, Ostrich. I only know this because I had to read on how to pronounce it. It's Ostrich. Ostrich. Okay. Ostrich. That is a lot of vowels. vowels. Yeah, Yeah, it's got like 44 letters in it. Completely unnecessary. Yeah. Ostrich. Hmm. But yeah, 13 years old, 1893, she gets hired in this textile apron factory. It's the 1800s. What do you got to do? What are you it's do? interesting that that uh, one uh, one article such as an apron would be in such high demand back then that they would need a whole textile mill to produce them. Like t- today, that'd be like you know a one order in in a line of. Well, uh, I think know. that the occupation of butcher was much more prevalent uh, than yeah. it is today because we weren't making garbage like Impossible Chicken at Panda Express that's inedible little balls of garbage juice that's deep fried. Tell us how you really feel, Kent. I did. And I will continue to do so. Yes. Wilhelm, the owner of this textile mill, was also a German immigrant, if you didn't figure that already, by his name, who had (laughs) immigrated here to America and become very successful. And he only hired... Other German immigrants at his factory. So it was a factory owned by Germans and employed, completely employed with Germans. Interesting. German immigrants. Now, Dolly, little Dolly here working at this factory was, according to everybody that knew her, beautiful, high energy, fun to be around, but more than anything, breathtakingly beautiful. Now, with that being said, I've seen pictures of her. I was going to say, do we need to use our Dietlov pass qualifiers? or what are we Yeah, talking? I feel like beautiful is a stretch. She was perfectly okay to look at. If she was buying a bottle of mustard at Sam's Club, you wouldn't give her a second look. You would uh, even think to yourself, wow, that woman is gorgeous, or wow, that woman is not gorgeous. I do not enjoy looking at her. Okay. You wouldn't think of either of those things. You probably wouldn't even notice her. Kind of looks like a, like a thicker Hillary Clinton. I saw the close-up picture you posted, and I was like, that is Hillary Clinton. Yeah, it looks like a thicker Hillary Clinton, Hillary Clinton, but that's where their similarities end, though, because this is a true crime podcast, 
and she was a murderer, and uh, Dolly Chriselle never killed anybody. <laughs> <laughs> Got her! Slap! Got her! Uh, I thought you were going to say Hillary Clinton would never be caught dead buying mustard at Sam's Club. Yeah. But that's not as funny. Uh, Speaking of Dolly, though. As she grew up in that, in that apron factory there, she, she garnered lots of friends. Like I said, people loved her. They were drawn to her charismatic personality, her friendliness, and to her 1890s beauty, which basically just meant that you weren't foaming at the mouth and both your legs were the same length. <laughs> That's all it took in the 1890s. <laughs> Look at her. She's got all her teeth. God damn. She doesn't have platforms on one foot. <laughs> She's not in one of those giant metal wheelchairs that weigh 390 pounds and for some reason make steam whenever she's rolling like a – those wheelchairs in the 1800s were terrifying. Did you ever see pictures of a kid or a person in an artificial lung? Yeah. It's like yeah. a – Looks like smaller. a submarine. Yeah. <laughs> With a head sticking out of the end. It's fun. It's weird. Anyway, uh, I told myself I wasn't going to distract you this time. Looks like somebody made a big steel hot dog out of a child. (laughs) Eventually, Fred Fred Ostrak, who uh, was the spoiled son of the owner of the textile mill, Wilhelm, the owner, the guy that only hired German immigrants, his son, Fred Ostrak, starts flirting with Dolly. Now, Fred was only three years older than her, and he was equally chunky. You'll see pictures of him, Fred Ostrak. And if you're trying to research pictures of these people, the way you spell their last name, Fred Ostrak, Dolly Ostrak, is O-E-S-T-E-R-R-E-I-C-H. Yeah. Fred was also one of the bosses there, the son of Wilhelm, also one of the, the guy that's flirting with Dolly here. He's also one of the bosses there at the, at the apron factory, and he was also very wealthy because of daddy. Mm. So he had some of that hand-me-down money, like we talked about in the last episode, actually. With, I've already cleared that episode from my palate. I don't even remember her name. Bernie Tita and what was the victim's Sh- name? Oh, yeah. Shula Brent Jamikins. Sh- Shula Brent Jamikins. Yeah, yeah, she had uh, inherited it a lot. So this, this kid also gets daddy's wealth. Now, Fred here, this young buck, he's known as a distant, unlikable alcoholic by all the other employees at the, at the uh, apron factory. But he he starts flirting with Dolly, and in 1897, when Dolly is 17 years old and Fred is 20 years old, they get married, and Dolly becomes Walburga Ostrak. Weird. She then moves in with him. What is weird about that? What's weird about that? You said 1998? No, didn't say 1998. I said 1897. Oh. So I didn't even come close to saying 1998. Something you must have said triggered me. 1998. How often do you know me of going from the 1800s to 1998? How would this story even make sense to make a jump like that? For me to go, Fred Ostrich in 1892 is flirting with. Anyways, in 1998, what sense would that make? I just, I, I think, I think I got a page curled in my encyclopedic knowledge, and it, it, uh, time warped. I, I, something you said must have occurred in. Ni- oh, oh, wait, I know. 1998. There was the brass Chicago Cubs baseball. Doesn't matter. Coin of Sammy Sosa. Doesn't matter. <laughs> yeah, if you have a mint, one of those. We stopped talking looking- about Sammy Sosa 15 minutes ago. 
99 cents. And we're nowhere near the, the date 1998. Where Or will we get to that date at any point in this story? So you're fucked up on two different levels. Yeah, both the time and, and the, the topic. Well, I think Burbank sports cards would disagree. You're going to have to go and tell them how much their coin doesn't mean on eBay. Well, I think to you, you should go fuck yourself. In okay. 1897, at 17 years old, Dolly marries 20-year-old Fred Ostrich, like I've already had to say. You did. And becomes Wahlberger Ostrich. And moves in with him at 901 South 18th Street in Milwaukee. Now, this house was directly across the street from the apron factory. Both of them has since been leveled, both the house and the factory. The house was actually leveled recently in 2013, and that is now an empty lot between two other houses. Fun. Since money was no longer in short supply, you know, she kind of had these feeble upbringings. Uh, she was always, she was working from a young age, 12 years old working. Dolly got to quit her job because she had married into some money here. She got to quit her job at the apron factory, and she just became a stay-at-home wife. Okay. You know what? I, I, I said I wasn't going to do that. I'm, I'm going to hold on. I'll, 18 minutes. You won't hear from me. 18 minutes straight. I'm going to need to hear from you. That's how right. this works. Okay. It's supposed to be like a fucking tennis match where I bounce the ball and you hit it back. But you don't do that, Op. You catch the ball and then start throwing it around the room. All right. I'll try to throw it right back at you. Or start trying to be like, let's play baseball instead. And you don't even play the game that we're trying to record. I'll be better. I'll be better starting now for 18 minutes. Do better. All right. Here's the thing about the Dolly. Thing about Dolly, though. Fucking shut up right now for like six seconds. Okay. Here's the thing about Dolly Op. She was, thank you for, she was a nymphomaniac. Do you know what that is? Yeah. Really popular fly for fly fishing. Nope, not correct. It's somebody that can't stop thinking about making fuck. Ah. <laughs> because she's German, it probably sounds funny when she demands it too. It's like, uh, we must make a fuck now. <laughs> That's Russian. That's Russian. Okay, I don't know the difference. I'm Southern. I don't know things. You do. You know a lot of things. What I'm uh, saying is all she thought about was dicks. This was a typical day inside Dolly Ostrich's brain. This is me summarizing her day inside her head. Dick, 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 dick. Butterfly. Dick, 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 dick. Have you ever known a woman like this? Have you Have you ever? They're very popular in my hometown. I mean, like, ah, uh, never mind. And there's nothing wrong with it if you're no. not married. Yeah. And there's nothing wrong with it if you are married and there's an agreement. Yeah. But there's a lot wrong with it if you are married and there's not an agreement. Yeah. Because chubby ass, alcoholic, stick in the mud, Fred just couldn't keep up with the sex that she demanded. Uh, she was like, if Snooky overdosed on Viagra, that was how much dick that Dolly wanted. Wow. You remember Snooky from Jersey Shore? She was like a... South Park even made her a dick goblin. Yeah. <laughs> like, if she just chugged a bottle of Viagra, that was Dolly. Loved it. Wow. She starts cheating on Fred pretty much from the get-go. And she starts scouring the industrial wastelands of Milwaukee for penises. 
Uh, I even read in one article that much like a shark with blood, Dolly could smell a dick in the water from up to a mile. Wow. Which I thought was impressive. But that was impressive. There's not a lot of water in Milwaukee. Like, There's not. They were actually going to hire her at the beginning of World War One to be a, a scout sniper's... <laughs> so stupid. <laughs> a scout sniper's spotter. She would be like, there's a dick three clicks out. I can smell it. It's like a penis bloodhound. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the sniper's like, click, 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 click. <laughs> and then she sniffs the air again, and she's like, she just always makes it 1.6 meters up from where she smells the dick. That's the head. She's like 600 feet. Go two clicks up. Uncircumcised. Oh. <laughs> I just... I'll stop a conversation dead in its tracks, but I sometimes I'm like, how do we, how do we proceed when you do it? Because I don't know how to proceed. You're good at that. From early on in their marriage, that's how we proceed. From early on, from the very beginning, there were rumors about men coming and going at the ostrich house while Fred was at work. So Dolly's hanging out here, and Fred's going to work, and he's getting cucked all day while he's at work by dudes coming and going. But on August twentieth. 1900, 20-year-old, now 20-year-old Dolly, gives birth to the couple's one and only child, a little Raymond Harold Osterick. And I found in one article that during his birth, three missing men from Milwaukee were found. Hold on. I may have made that, that last okay. <laughs> <laughs> I just got it. I just figured I, ah, it okay. just took me a second. July 15th, 1910, now nine-year-old little Raymond fucking dies. What? I wish there was more, man. His death is kind of a mystery. Um, I searched for hours. Nothing. Little dude was just a blip in history. His existence is never mentioned anywhere else. I don't know how he died. I scoured newspaper. I tried to find out more about this little guy for, for probably two or three hours. Nothing. He's not even mentioned in any other podcast or anything that you read about this. So I guess in the grand scheme of this story, as wild as it is, it doesn't really matter. But, I mean, I felt it at least deserved to be mentioned. I did have a son. He died at nine years old in 1910. Only child she'll ever have. Also, that it was dismissed or ignored in other reviews of this case, this story, probably a miscarriage of justice or or psychology there because— that's going to leave a mark on her. Oh, sci- psychologically? Yeah. Absolutely. I even uh, read one article from the 60s where they had done a recap of this case that suggested that her infidelity increased tenfold after this young man's death because of how lonely she was and depressed she was from his passing. Yeah, makes sense. So, I mean, yeah. But, I, I mean, I never could find what killed him. How he died. I mean, like I said, there was so many diseases and diphtheria, yellow fever, tuberculosis, everything. Was, I, I would imagine probably one of those. Or his head got run over by a horse-drawn wagon. Really, we could just go on for two hours surmising about what happened. Yeah. Meteors. Yeah. Yeah. A meat. Riots. Meteor wagon. Bears. Bear wagon. Winter bees. Bee wagon. Let's just say he got my girl 
Oh. He got Macaulay Culkin oh, and my girl did. Jeez. Well, okay. He can't read with it. He can't see without his glasses. Oh, you're killing me. Ugh. In 1913, so this is three years after her son's said death. 1913? In 1913. Well, I just wanted to make sure you said 1913. Okay. I did. Yeah. All right. Do you got nope. something you want to no. say? No, I just was. Okay. Thank yeah. you. 33-year-old Dolly Ostrock notices an employee at her husband's work, that, that apron factory where she used to work. And that employee, his name is Otto Sanhuber. She notices him shaking his ass around there one day. At, and he was 17 years old. Dolly's 33 at the time. Ooh. She finds out that Otto is a sewing machine repairman there at the apron factory. And they make apron, aprons. There were dozens of them. Of sewing machines, so he probably had a pretty good job, I would imagine. Uh, and uh, Dolly thinks he's cute. Yeah, a veritable she Mrs. He's attractive. John Wilson Saturday afternoon delight kind of situation. Does this count as a cougar? Thir- At thirty-three years old, are you a cougar? I mean, I know this is also illegal because he's seventeen. But even if he was eighteen, would she, is thirty-three old enough to be a cougar? Oh, back then. Jessica was shaking her head. Yes. I don't know. Back then, I would say probably not. I, I would. I don't know. You've got so many weird angles. Like people's religious dogma would say that she should never get married again, or you know that this would be gross, or some. Or but if in Samoa, they'd be like, you know, she's already like she's w- one foot in the grave, and he's like an old man at seventy. You know, it's. I mean, in 1913, at 33 years old, you had one foot in the grave. You did. Yeah, that yeah, was. Yeah. I mean, it was just a matter of time before. Indians killed you or something. I don't know. <laughs> Second foot was in the grip. Yeah. Where you got scalped. Yeah. Or typhoid fever got you. Or- yeah. And, you know, even back then, like 17, you're you're an adult at 17 back then. Like you're like back then at 17, most of them had like a family and a 401k. Yeah. And yeah, seven kids. They were grandparents. They bricklaid their own house. And, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Built their own cows. <laughs> yeah. So, seventeen-year-old Otto Sanhuber here, this sewing machine repairman that has caught Dolly's eye. He was uh, he was a small, quiet little man, like a little church mouse. So he's got big uh, glasses. If you look at pictures of him, round glasses looks like a kind of like a a little nerd, a cute little nerd, kind mm-hmm. of a pussy, uh, kind of guy that says shit like, "Oh shucks, Wally." While nudging a pebble on the ground with a shoe, <laughs> you know, shoulders slumped. Ah, oh, shucks, Wally. His his excuse for doing something is always prefaced with, "On account of, I thought it was good. On account of, that was the thing that I thought I should do right then." The guy in the friend group that's always like, "Oh, gee, Wally, I, I don't know if that's a good idea." <laughs> that guy, yeah. Now Otto Sanhuber, he was an orphan who had never known his birth parents. And he had a rough childhood in and out of orphanages, 17 years old. He's been on his own for a while now. But the day after Dolly spots Otto in the factory and finds out he's a sewing machine repairman, she calls her husband Fred while he's at work at the apron factory and lets him know her sewing machine is broken and somebody needs to come and fix it. That's a euphemism. What a coincidence. Fred happens to know a a sewing machine repairman, his right-hand man. 17-year-old Otto Sanhuber. Oh. Completely unaware of what is going on here. Poor Fred cucks himself and sends Otto over there to fix her sewing machine. Dolly answers the door, and this is true. 
in a silk robe, stockings, doused in perfume, and absolutely nothing else. Mm. I've seen so many porn movies start out like this. I didn't know this actually happened. Yeah. So, I mean, despite his profession for fixing sewing machines, Otto must have not had a he, – he, he wasn't packing a needle dick because – Is that confirmed? I mean, it has to be because this one sexual escapade here with Dolly kicks off a hot and spicy affair that lasts over a decade. Wow. Over a decade. Longer than, any, than anybody that, that Dolly had ever slept with prior. Uh, little Otto Sanhuber must have really been packing a, a hog leg in his denims there. She could not get enough of him. If you guessed his weight by looking at him, you'd be like probably a buck fifteen. But then he gets on the scale and he's two thirty. <laughs> <laughs> I get it. I just got that. I, I was a little quicker on that one, but I get it now. Oh man, because of his wiener now, size. Because his dick was big, yeah. Um, it also wore glasses. It also kicked gravel. Oh, shucks. Shucks, Otto. It, it kicked some gravel, too. Yeah. Gosh. Yeah. It actually held on to gravel, and it would drop it down his britches leg if he was in a parking lot somewhere and he needed to kick some gravel in a conversation. <laughs> you just go, here you go. Kick some gravel. Here you go. Uh, Gee, I don't know, Wally. Dick drops a piece of gravel for him to nudge with his toe. Shoulder slumped. In the beginning, during this affair, they would often meet at hotels and make fuck secretly. Probably on top of a family of bed bugs, since this was a bed in a hotel in the early 1900s. I'm always blown away that we've had hotels as far back as even the 1800s we had hotels and how poor they must, how bad they must have been. Because, I mean, it is 2023, and I have still, even in this time, stayed in some shady-ass motels. And hotels, but you didn't, but let's be honest, you didn't know I don't know the difference in a motel and a hotel. You didn't know it, so. I don't know the difference. It's all right. Meeting in the hotels and motels got old, though. They eventually said to hell with it and just started meeting straight up at her house and banging it out in her and Fred's bed. Right there in their right there in her house. And when neighbors begin asking her about the young man that's coming and going at the ostrich's house and more coming than going, if you know what I'm saying. He was there more often. Like, see, yeah, he was there more often than he was. Did you No, I leaving. didn't well, I mean there I mean by law there you, you come just as much as you go physically, but I was talking about like jizzes like jizz jizz and doing jizzes. <laughs> When the neighbors asked about the young man that was coming and going, she explained to them that he was her, quote, vagabond half-brother. Now, a vagabond, for anybody that doesn't know, is a homeless person. It's a person without home. I think we're supposed to, in 2023, call them urban survivalists. Yeah, or unhomed. I think unhomed is actually a real thing. That's what they Unhomed. Yeah, yeah. urban survivalists. That's what I call them. Mm-hmm. Kind of gives them like an edgy Bear grills. Kind of feel. Yeah. It sounds cool. If you found one on the street sleeping in a carcass of anything, you'd be like, eh, okay. Eventually, they decided that they were being a bit too brazen with this just meeting up at her house, though, and they needed to hide their relationship a better way and stop being so crazy. So, Otto Sanhuber quits his job at the factory underneath Frank Ostrich 
and moves into the ostrich's attic full time, now spending most of his time underneath Dolly. <laughs> Out of the frying pan and into the fucking flames. That's crazy. He moves into their attic. Now, the only the only access point for the attic was a movable panel that was in the bedroom closet of Dolly and Fred. So the only way to get up there was in their actual bedroom in the closet. There was a panel that you could push up and move aside. Yeah, I've seen it. It was I mean, more of a crawl space than yeah, it was anything. Yeah, we have these. Like, we have some in the ground, too, like closets where you can get into the subfloor. And they're not easy to get in and out of. Yeah, especially hard to put your sock press in there. <laughs> it can be. <laughs> uh, oh, wait. Hey. <sighs> now, she made him, she made Otto a pretty cozy little spot up there. Bought him a cot. Uh, she she brung food to him. She got him a lamp. He loved reading books, and he loved writing. So she got him a bunch of books from the library and would change them out daily. Hmm? What was it? Almost. Books. From where? The library. Oh, okay. I what did I say? No, I didn't. I didn't. Uh, I just didn't catch the location the first time. So she gets him a lamp and books and writing materials. And in his free time during the day, he performs housework for Dolly. He comes down while while Fred is at work. So while Fred's at work, he comes down from his little hidey hole and he does housework for Dolly. He cooks. He cleans. He does everything. He makes bathtub gin for them to drink together. And he was also basically Dolly's sex slave. Later, he said that Dolly made him fuck her up to eight times a day. Eight times a day, this little dork that's living in the attic has to fuck Dolly. And she's a big girl and he's a little bitty dude. She basically brought him down to ride and then put him back up literally in the closet like an old dildo when she was done. That's once every hour and a half. He was her little dorky fuck toy that she kept in the closet. That'd get old. This went on for years. Otto Sandhuber lived in their attic for years. Uh. Throughout all of this, Fred Ostrich's dumbass, her husband, just stumbled around completely unaware and oblivious to the fact that a fuck doll was living in his attic. I'm trying to think, though, like with Sans kids in the house and everything. Yeah, this, there's no kids. Yeah, this could be kind of hard to detect. I mean. Yeah, because, I mean, he was quiet when Fred got home from work. And, and these houses, they make a ton of noise anyway. So it's not like you'd be like, what was that? You know. Yeah. And, you know, during his free time at night, Otto would just, he would live in total silence in the attic. Um, at nighttime and while Fred was there. And he spent his free time there doing quiet activities like reading and writing science fiction stories by candlelight. Really? Yeah. Now, if Fred was working late or leaving super early in the morning, Otto would take this time to take walks through the neighborhood in the darkness so that uh, he could get some exercise and avoid being seen by neighbors. But that didn't happen too often. Most of his life in these years was spent in the attic. Huh. And like I said, when he was down from the attic, he was either cooking, cleaning, or fucking. He was basically a toy and a tool for Dolly. But she is she brings him good food. I mean, he doesn't have any bills. What got a place to sleep, place to read? You're probably going to get to this, but I'm I'm curious if like I mean, at some point there has to be some kind of psychological like textbook like 
he felt like a prisoner or nope nope he was tickled to death and i'll tell you how i know this in a little bit we'll get to that all right he he loved this arrangement i mean there are worse arrangements i know i knew you were gonna go there and i (laughs) I, you know channeling channeling that age being a boy that age i i could see that it's not every boy that age that that gets to know what it'd be like to be a kept boy but yeah, but being 17, 18, 19 years old and having this older lady just use you like this, like that's different. That dynamic is different when it's a, a an older woman using a young man than uh than the other way around, right? I mean, when you sit up there in that attic and you're thinking about what's happening, you probably grin a little bit to yourself and you're like, this is kind of fucking hot. This I would also hot. I would wager I'm that just a fuck toy. If there were elements of- now I'm going to read Harry Potter. I I kind of feel like it, even if there were elements of abuse or what what we might you know from the outside looking in on like look at that scenario after it all plays out, it, uh, probably a different different type of abuse than it would be if you flipped the genders. You know, I don't psycho- think there's any abuse here just between Dolly and Otto. You don't think there was any psychological? I think abuse, he could have like- left any time he wanted. Wow, that's crazy. She fed him well. Yeah. I mean, the only time he has to go back up into the attic is around 6 o'clock when Fred gets home from work. And, I mean, he's only up there a few hours just reading and hanging out, writing. He takes food and water up there with him. And before he knows it, it's bedtime. Fred's gone to work before he probably even wakes up. Yeah. (sighs) There are worse ways to live. He's getting laid eight times a day. Yeah. And then just thrown up there like, this is the 1900s, like an old wooden dildo. Ugh. Yeah. I can tell you're not buying it. I, I, I'm struggling. I'm struggling. You would want something like a career. Yeah. Or, or, or like at least be like, hey, Dolly, do you think you could take this transcript down the road? To- so I'm getting ready to get to that. Oh. Because she Our, does. That exact thing? That exact thing. Dolly would take his stories that he wrote. Like I said, he wrote uh, science fiction stories under a pen name, and Dolly does handle that for him. She mails them to potential publishers and pulp magazines, hoping to land him either a deal or to get them published. And this did happen on several occasions. Some of his stuff got published in pulp magazines and stuff under his pen name. He was fairly successful at it from the attic. Really? Okay. All right. Now, this this is the living arrangement. They're at that house for the next four years. Four years. Otto lives in the attic right above Fred's head. Now, Fred did occasionally get a little suspicious of something, but he never really knew what. He didn't know what because sometimes leftovers would be missing from the fridge that he had put there to eat later. This is true. And he would also occasionally hear noises in the attic. And I don't, I don't know how Dolly handled She probably claimed the house was haunted. Yeah, that well, that, like, it would have been Otto. It would have been Otto up there. It was Otto. Yeah, yeah, that was the joke, op. You fucker. It's not actually haunted. It's Otto up there, but he hears noises, and Dolly probably claims the house is haunted. She's like, I don't know. She wipes semen off Frank's pillow. She's like, see, it's ectoplasm. What I'm, it's uh, everywhere. Let me walk you these through. ghosts. These scary ghosts are leaving ectoplasm everywhere. There's ectoplasm on your pillow, Fred. And and on the windows and on these walls. 
And Frank's like, good lord, Dolly, you even have ectoplasm in your eyebrow. This house is haunted. What I was getting at was if if you have weird things in your attic and suddenly you're like, oh, this room down here seems haunted, somebody might be in your attic. Hint, in mine? <laughs> I don't want to put too fine a point on it, but basically, yeah, yeah. There is nobody in my attic, and we are paying for nothing by having that child's coffin up in our attic. There are no consequences for that. Yeah, I'll be the judge. As a white man, I refuse to accept that there will be any consequences for my actions. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, yeah, she's probably telling him the, the attic's haunted, and I don't know. I like to imagine that at one point Fred does go up to the attic and— Otto has to act like a scary ghost because they meet eye to eye. There's like a moment where they everybody freezes and they're looking at each other. There's like a moment of silence and then Otto is like, boo! <laughs> Fred's like, God damn, Dolly, there is a ghost up there. He's reading Moby Dick. She's like, he is Moby, he is Moby Dick. Yeah, I said, scary ghost, ectoplasm on your pillow again. Just go to work, Fred. Shut the fuck up. Otto! Get down here and fuck me! Wow. Little fucking dork. He crawls out like a spider. (laughs) Little fuck puppet. (laughs) That's what I imagine. That's how I imagine he crawls back into his hole. Just a brown recluse with a 10-inch dick. Yeah. 1918. Dolly is 38 years old. Fred's de- Fred decides it's best for his family to pick him up and move him to Los Angeles after his daddy opens another apron factory there. Quite a predicament, isn't it, Op? We are in quite a quinky dink here because they've got to move to L.A. from Wisconsin, mind you, Milwaukee. That's a trek. What do we do with Otto? Dolly agrees to move with him, with Fred, under one condition. She has to be the one to pick out the house. To the shock of probably nobody, she picks up fairly new. It's a brand new. It's pretty much brand new. This was in 1918. The house that she picked had been built three years earlier in 1915. But it's a monster two-story house that also has an attic which I didn't know until I did the research for this episode, is apparently very hard to find in L.A., a house with an attic. Yeah, you know, actually, I know this from working working marketing for vacuum companies. Believe it or not, it's really hard to sell certain types of vacuums in different regions of the U.S. Why? For example, on the West Coast and the East Coast, no, more on the West Coast, it is very easy to sell sell upright vacuums, whereas almost impossible to sell those kind of vacuums that are like a separate handle with the tube that goes back to the thing that follows you around. Almost impossible to sell those. However, you go to the East Coast, super easy to sell those vacuums because everybody has stairs. And it's impossible to vacuum stairs with an upright vacuum. Hadn't thought about that, but that's a good point. I know one time a greasy son of a bitch talked me into buying a Kirby vacuum. You still have it? God damn it. 
was like $1,200. No, I don't have it anymore. Sold it at a yard sale for like 30 bucks, like two years later. That sucks. Thing weighed more than that air conditioner in my attic. I had one of the, well, I didn't have a Kirby. I had the, I had the one where it was like a water tank and you vacuum and then the water gets all gross. And you're like, wow, that's a lot of stuff. It's real convincing. Yeah, and you have to put the bags on them. They have, you have to buy the bags. It's like we're overcomplicating this, and this was way too expensive. And why is it so goddamn heavy? It was yeah. a solid chunk of steel on the end of a pop. Just like a, it was like they put a 350 engine from a Chevelle on the end, and you're trying to push that thing around the house, and it's got a carburetor, and it's like blah, 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 blah. You got to choke it. It looks like one. It. They're chrome, <laughs> and they weigh like 80 pounds, too. It's crazy. Anyways, the house that Dolly picks, like I said, it's a big two-story house. It also has an attic. She picks that house. It's at 858 North Andrews Boulevard, which is now, if you're trying to find it on Google, is now 858 North Lafayette Park Place in Silver Lake, Los Angeles. House is still there, but the address has changed. That building, like I said, still there. It has since been converted to an 11-unit apartment building. That's how big this place was. And actually just sold in November a few months ago for a little over $2 million. Wow. So Otto Sanhuber, so you're probably wondering how they, how did they pull this logistically, right? Um, he's hiding still in the attic. Fred doesn't even know about him. And now they've got to make this move to Los Angeles from Milwaukee, Wisconsin. That's like halfway across the United States. Well, did they have a sewing machine go with them? Because if so, obviously you're going to want to bring Otto along to fix the sewing machine. They did not. No, huh. what they did is they waited for Fred to go to work a few days before they were set to leave for L.A. Dolly packed some bags for Otto and said, we'll see you in L.A. Here's the address of where the new house is. And he left a few days earlier made his pilgrimage to L.A. to the house, and was settled in the attic before the Ostracks even arrived. Wow. He was already there? He was already there before they even got there. Poor Fred, none the wiser. Oh, what a dummy. What's, what's interesting about that, too, is, like, you're moving in. How would you, like, Dolly must have had to constantly be like, I'll take that, oh, I'll take that, I'll take that up there, I'll, ta- I'll take it. Yeah. You know? Yeah, but also these aren't attics like the one I have where you've got fold down steps and these aren't super efficient storage places. Oh, uh, yeah. So it's not, if you're going to put something up there, it's a conversation before you're like, all yeah. right, fine, I'm going up. Like I said, in the old house to get there, you had to move a small panel in the closet of the master bedroom. Yeah. Right? So this is more there for if you need to work on electrical work you've got to get to something more for the construction of the building than a, a having a storage space makes sense okay so Otto moves there a few days ahead of time and they're in los angeles they move on business as usual fred starts going to work at the new apron factory and they pick up right where they left off in wisconsin it's important to note that this is los angeles and air conditioners by the way didn't start becoming common in homes until the 1960s and even then they don't cool the attic and this is los angeles this had to have been a miserable existence yeah i lived in a home i think was built in the 40s maybe and uh, there, there was this giant fan on the top of the roof of the house that just sucked the heat out of the attic. That's how yeah. you kept your attic. 
My house was built in 47, and that's what we have. There, well, there's two on each. There's yeah. one on each side. Yeah. But it's still not that effective. If you go if you go up there, and this is Kentucky, if you go up there in the summer, I bet it's 140 degrees in there. And that that's Kentucky. This is L.A. Which may be, actually, that might be the answer as to why there aren't a lot of attics there. Because, like, it's so hot. Probably so hot. And then fires. You would think that that could be an element yeah. of... I don't know. I don't know things. I don't know things either. But I do know that at 11 p.m. on August 22nd, 1922, so four years after they moved to L.A., so in case you're not keeping count, they carried on living like this, Otto and Dolly did, for four years at the old house, and then four years at the house in L.A. For a total of now eight years, Otto Sanhuber has been Dolly's fuck doll that has been living in the attic for eight years. Wow. 11 p.m. on August 22nd, 1922. It's ending like any other day. Otto Sanhuber, he's up in his attic being super quiet. He's reading when he hears Dolly and her husband Fred return home from an outing that they had been out with their friends. And they're arguing loudly. They're fighting. When the argument begins to escalate, he hears a loud thump. And Otto gets concerned that Fred is beating Dolly because then shouting starts. Otto Mm. starts to get worried, and he has now decided to uh, be a hero. By the way, just so you know, as far as we're aware, that's not what was happening. Uh, There are no records of Fred hitting Dolly or domestic abuse, anything like that. Otto comes down from the attic and collects two... 25 caliber pistols from the bedroom dresser in the master bedroom and then basically pops into the room that the couple is arguing in. This is obviously a shock to Fred, who suddenly sees a ghost. (laughs) I'd be shocked too, actually. It's like, the ghost followed us from Wisconsin. Look out, Dolly. And this time it's got guns. I was that's the part I'd be I'd be like, that ghost has two 25 caliber guns? Like that's an odd caliber. No, he, he doesn't react like that. Fred sees Otto and immediately recognizes him. Remember, he worked for him. Oh, okay. And there's probably some quick, not a lot of math you have to do here to figure out what's going on because this fucking dude is still supposed to be back in Milwaukee. Yeah, okay. When Fred quickly puts two and two together, he sees Otto standing there holding two twenty-five caliber pistols. He flies into an all-out rage and attacks Otto. They begin to fight, and during the struggle, Otto puts three rounds into Fred Ostrak. Two rounds in his chest and one in the head. Fred Ostrak is now laying in the in the uh, floor of this room, dead. So what to do? What to do? We got a body now. What to do? Otto Sanhuber, if you remember, loves reading. And he's read a lot of true crime novels. A lot of uh, old noir magazines he's pretty savvy when it comes to something like this knowledgeable on the subject so Otto Sanhuber and Dolly Ostrich they begin planning and staging a fake burglary a fake burglary that's the that's what's going to solve this so Dolly gives Otto all of the money that they had in the bedroom as well as Fred's diamond watch and this is important she gives Otto Fred's diamond watch he then locks Dolly in their walk-in closet, tosses the key to the side, gathers up this watch, this money, some valuables, 
goes back into his little hiding place in the attic, and they wait. They wait. They wait. For, oh, oh, they're like waiting because maybe somebody heard it or something? Yeah, so the neighbors had heard the gunshots, and they okay. come over pretty quickly afterwards, and they find oh. Dolly locked in the closet, and that's when the police arrive. Now, she tells them that a burglar had broken in and shot her husband. She hadn't got a good look at their face. And then they had, she tells him that they had pushed her into the closet and locked it behind her, taken her husband's watch after shooting him, uh, and then fled. Obviously, this is all super fishy. The police suspect something from the get-go, but they could not explain how she had locked herself in the closet because the locking me- mechanism was on the outside. That's sm- that's pretty astute of them, too, because it that, that sounds open and shut, like... I wouldn't go into there and be like, well, I don't know. Yeah. I'd be like, all right, let's find a guy. Yeah, the police work in this is, it's decent. It's not okay. the best. But, I mean, for the early 1900s, it's pretty good because they did start being like, okay, she couldn't have locked herself in here. But this all sounds fishy. Mm-hmm. Which means somebody else has to be involved. So they believe she was still involved, but they believe she knew somebody else was with her. When she realizes that she's about to be in trouble, Dolly hires an attorney by the name of Herman Shapiro to defend her. And with no proof of her involvement, no charges were were pursued. However, Dolly does start fucking her lawyer, Herman Shapiro. Oh, no. Oh, (laughs) jeez. Ah. And she continued fucking Herman Shapiro for the next seven years behind Otto Sanhuber's back, or I guess more under his nose. Uh, Not ah. that hard because he never left the attic. (laughs) After she was cleared of any involvement in the case, Dolly also inherited from Fred $242,000, which is equivalent today to $4.2 million. Wow. Nobody talks about this a lot, but I don't know that this whole thing wasn't just an elaborate story made up by Otto and Dolly to get this money. I don't even know that her, I don't even know that I believe that Dolly and Fred were even arguing when he was murdered. Oh, I see what you're saying. Okay. So, like, that may just be a fig newton of their imagination from the beginning, and, and there was no fight. It literally just played out like they, like Otto could have just been sitting this. at the kitchen table. Yeah. Because you got to keep in mind that he came up, they came up with this fake, fake staged burglary thing, which is fairly elaborate in moments. They came up with it in enough time to, between the gunshots, neighbors hearing it and arriving, Dolly was already locked in the closet and Otto was already in the attic. Yeah. And I feel like yeah. off the cuff like that to be able to think clearly. I don't know, man. I don't buy it. I think this was planned. I would almost say, I mean, I know that he spent a lot of time in the attic, but I would think that if I were involved in that, if I were either one of them in the panic, I'd be like, no, they'd be, she might be like, get back in the attic. And he'd be like, I can't be here. They will literally look, they will cut, they will tear this house apart. They literally didn't though. He was never But found. you know what I mean? Like, that would be your reflex. And so you'd be like, no, I need to get away from here. Yeah. I'll see you in a couple days. Yeah. Imagine the sweat dripping off his brow. It's 190 degrees, but he's having to be quiet while there's a 
the whole police department is going through the house trying to just jeez. <laughs> uh, so if you're not keeping count, let me do it for you. Dolly is now fucking Otto Sanhuber. She's fucking her lawyer, Herman Shapiro. But she also starts fucking a 23-year-old movie producer and actor by the name of Roy H. Klum. And she starts fucking him basically for one reason, and that is to get rid of some evidence. Because pretty much right after this relationship starts with Klum, she hands him a 25 caliber pistol and asks him to take it down to the Libre Tar Pits and throw it in. Oh, oh, so she's having him throw away the, the evidence. Now, we actually talked briefly about the Libre Tar Pits this morning and extraterrestrials. If you're not a part of our Patreon, go ahead and join that, 1159 Media. Thank you. The Libre Tar Pits are exactly what they sound like. Pits full of fucking tar. Just big old pits full of thousands upon thousands upon thousands of, of old tar. And they're chalked to the gill full of saber-toothed bones and old animal bones, and they're now a site of excavation where scientists hang out. There's even a LeBray uh, Tar Pit Museum. Uh, they even actually yeah. recovered, and I believe it was the, uh, I don't remember what year it was, but they pulled a woman's skeleton from the LeBray Tar Pits that dated back to like 14,000 years. Whoa, really? Yes. So it's just tar. It's a pond of tar. That's been there for thousands upon thousands of years. And yeah, Dolly gives this new fuck toy Roy H. Klum this 25 caliber pistol that had been used to kill Fred and asked him to throw it in the LeBray tar pits. Whenever he asks why, because this would be fishy. Hey, your husband just got murdered. Why are you having me throw a 25 caliber pistol into a tar pit? Yeah. She tells him because it looks like the one that killed her husband, and she's worried it might make the police suspicious. And he goes, oh, okay. (laughs) That makes sense. Wow. (laughs) One thing I left out of, the pistol had also been smashed up with a hammer, and the serial numbers were filed off of it. Yeah. He didn't care. He said, oh, okay. That story adds up. And he does, in fact, take this twenty-five caliber pistol and chucks it into the Liberate tar pits. Now, if you remember, if you, if you remember, uh, Fred was killed with two pistols, two twenty-five caliber pistols. Yes. At the same time that she went to Roy Clum with the other twenty-five caliber pistol, she goes to her neighbor, a man by the name of J. E. Farber. And uh, she asks him to dispose of this other twenty-five caliber pistol because, for the same excuse that she had given to Roy, it looked like the one that had been used to kill her husband, and she didn't want to get in trouble. This pistol, by the way, also had been beat up with a hammer, and the serial numbers were filed off of it. He looked at this and went, okay, I can get rid of this. Yes. Yeah. He has no further questions. He actually goes and buries this twenty-five caliber pistol under a rose bush in his own garden. Let me say that again. He takes a twenty-five caliber pistol right after a man has been murdered from a suspect in the case, the pistol of which has been beat with a hammer and the serial numbers have been filed off of it and then buries it under a rose bush in his own garden. Not the smartest. 
It reminds me of a, a senior party that happened at the end of my senior year where everybody went. I didn't go because I wasn't Can I say, invited. what kind of party? <laughs> I wasn't invited. So they went. But it was up uh, in the woods on the other side of uh, uh, a uh, reservoir. Right. And all of the people that drove there had the brilliant idea. They're like, we'll just take our license plates off, guys. Yeah. We'll never know. So a string of like 15 cars in a caravan started up. The police got, I think... Pulled Did over somebody. Yeah, about th- about three cars passed before they were like, "Hang on." Pulls over the whole group, minus I think two or three cars that made it past. Because Pulled it's either over. a group of dumbass sixteen years old, sixteen year olds, or the cartel. Those are <laughs> yeah. the only two, <laughs> right? <laughs> and wow, yeah. So they all got tickets. Ah, to be young again. I didn't go. Be used as a fuck toy. Yeah. Stashed up in an attic. Because I'm a dirty boy. After the murder, Otto Sandhuber just keeps living in the attic. Let me say that again. There's nobody in the house Yeah, wait. Yeah. (laughs) Ah, that did. Ah, really? He doesn't have to hide from anybody now. But he prefers the attic. This is kind of like, I think, in Shawshank Redemption, when Morgan Freeman starts talking about being institutionalized. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that I mean, just... he's been up here for almost 10 years at this point. Wow. He prefers to stay in the attic, even though it's just Dolly living in the house. That's weird. The only difference in Otto's existence between when Fred was alive and now that Fred is gone is he doesn't have to be quiet. So he uses the money that he had got from his writings, from his Pulp Fiction uh, stories that he wrote, and buys himself a typewriter to write on uh, so he can continue writing his science fiction adventures or whatever on a typewriter. So he's just up in this crawl space, and he comes down to do fucks eight, nine times a day, and then goes back up to writing. Like... I'm trying to picture, like, in a high school scenario, like, what this kid would be like. Like, I, I can't imagine he's... You should look at a picture of him. Top in Otto Sanhuber. O-T-T-O-S-A-N-U-H-B-E-R. Oh, my gosh. He looks like a turtle. Yeah. Looks just like a turtle. Look at his little round glasses. God, that guy had a big dick. I don't understand this. Like, it, it doesn't make much sense. The Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. She really looks like Hillary Clinton. She does. That's pretty impressive. It's hard to Responsible do. for way less murders, but she does. Yeah. <laughs> mm. Yeah. <coughs> Gauzy. The only difference... <laughs> so Otto's still living in the attic... He's typing away, writing his science fiction novels. And at one point, now that she has all this money, over $4 million in uh, in today's money, at one point, Dolly even packs up and moves again to a brand new house near the one that she had shared with Fred at 101 North Beachwood Drive. 
And despite the fact that Dolly now lives alone in this basically mansion, brand new, by the way, at the time, it's a four-bedroom, four-bathroom, 3,400-square-foot home. Wow, that's a Walmart. Otto moves into the attic. What? Okay, he and moves okay, into I, the attic. I think I figured it out. Otto has determined that this is the ultimate man cave. And also, because it's in the attic, Dolly couldn't come up there if she wanted to, probably. like That's a spot. Yeah. And for her, it's super convenient. I mean, she doesn't need no man. She's got a lot of her own money. And her being a nymphophiliac when she's not fucking Herman Shapiro, her lawyer, or uh, that actor and producer that got rid of one of the guns, she's got this other dick that's just idling by up in the attic that she can just take down literally like it's a sex toy and then stuff it away whenever she's done. Is is being a nymphophiliac, is that where you bleed the whole time you're having sex? Did I say nymphophiliac? You did, and it was fun. Oh, I mean, Nymphomaniac. I, I, I nymphomaniac, cool. that's what I meant. Yeah. I'm grasping at this point because I feel useless. I think I'm just like, you know, that's why I'm picking apart like things like your words and stuff. I'm like, I really haven't contributed much. And so, oh, he said, so I'll, I'll make yeah. fun of that. Yeah. Say caramel. Caramel. Yep. Still, still there. This house is still there to this day. This big ass house was last sold for $2.4 million in 2016. Now, if you're one of those people that really love getting in to, uh, into the uh, locations of where these crimes are, if you look on Zillow, this address says that this house was built in 1925, but this cannot be true because she lives here for all, for the next almost decade and, uh, she moved there in 1922. So Zillow, get your shit straight. I guess that doesn't matter in the long run because in late 1922, Dolly gifts Herman Shapiro, her lawyer, and the man she's been fucking now for years, the diamond watch that once belonged to her dead husband, Fred. Really? Now, Herman was familiar with the case. I mean, he was her lawyer before he was anything, and he immediately realizes this is the watch that she had claimed was stolen was stolen during the murder and burglary. And, oh, uh, crap. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's a big oh shit moment, probably for everybody involved but Otto. <laughs> but when he asks Dolly about it, she says that she had found it in the backyard a few weeks after the murder and that the burglars must have dropped it on their way out. That was her excuse. Uh, in January of 1923, Herman Shapiro, her lawyer, moves in with her there at 101 North Beachwood Drive, and Otto is still in the attic, and Otto goes, has to go back to his life of quietness. That was going to be my question is, like, what was he okay with the uh, with being – I can't, can't – you can't even really say – He didn't care about being cuckolded because he cuckolded. not really – He's not really cuckolded because he's, you know, this is not a committed relationship in any by any stretch. No, but actually, we'll find out later. He did care, so I don't think, I don't know what was going through his head, honestly, because we're going to find out something here in a moment that's going to make you kind of question how he feels about all this. Find out later. Oh, but Herman Shapiro moves in in January of 1922. He openly admitted that um, to investigators later. Now, Roy Klum, if you remember, the guy that had disposed of uh, one of the pistols in the Labre tar pits, 
he eventually finds out about her cheating on him with Herman Shapiro, the lawyer. And when he does, in kind of ha- in, in a hissy fit that he was throwing, he goes to the police. So petty. Yeah, petty as shit. After the pistol incident, he had kind of put everything together. But she was still banging him out, so whatever. He didn't say anything. But after she, after he finds out that she's also banging this lawyer, he throws him a fit and goes to the police. He tells the police about her odd request of having him throw this pistol in the tar pit, and he believes that she had killed her husband. Now, on July 12th, 1923, the next day after he showed up at the police department, that rusty old pistol was pulled from the LeBray tar pits, and that's this is when the the house of cards start falling. I'm I'm trying to like that's that's it almost seems impossible. Like, hey, what'd you do with the gun? I threw it in the La Brea tar pits. All right, and they go like, ah. I mean, I get it. I I, I mean, he showed them where he had thrown it. Yeah, I guess. And they're already. Um, at this point in the 20s, they had started excavating the LeBray tar pits in the early 1900s, the teens. I think it was like mm. 1918. So they're like five, six, ten years into ex- excavations. So they have the means to pull okay. things from these pits. All right. I didn't mean to derail the... No, you're fine, dude. No, I was just thinking about that. So this happens on July 12th. On July 17th, uh, five days after they find the pistol, pistol, I don't know why they waited five days, but on July 17th, um, they do arrest Dolly Ostrich, and she is immediately booked into the jail and charged with murder of her husband. Dun, dun, dun. That first pistol, it's found on July 12th, right? Mm-hmm. On July 13th, the news starts hitting the headlines that this pistol is found. And when that news hits the headlines, the neighbor, J.E. Farber, who had buried the other pistol under a rose bush. Oh, he starts going, hang on. He goes, digs it up, and takes it to the police station and says that she had came to him with the same request and asked him to bury this one under, in the yard under a rose bush and that he had done so. And then that's when, so the first pistol found on July 12th, second pistol is brought into the police station by J.E. Farber July 13th, and then on July 17th, Dolly is arrested and booked for the murder of her husband. Now, What a tangled web we weave. Yes. Now, on July 18th, the uh, newspapers start trying to interview her. They want to talk. Everybody wants to talk. This is a big story. It's a scandalous story. A fucking uh, a rich woman murders her husband. You know, this is, you know how newspapers are. Well, she's rich, too. I mean, so this, she's rich. Yeah, I mean, she's probably yeah. a status. I would At this assume. point, we still don't know about Otto, Stan Huber, whether he's rich. No, that he exists. Oh, yeah. That he's still in the attic. He's still in the attic throughout all this. Good He's up in the attic. But on July 18th, the day after she's... The day after she's booked in, uh, she wouldn't talk to the newspapers, refused because, quote, she is much too upset to talk about it because she had a sleepless night because the rats were constantly running across her bed. Unquote. Yeah, I would assume that would be less pleasant. Now, she is less worried about pleasant. Otto while she's in jail. She's worried about Otto. And while in jail, things finally start coming to light because her lawyer, Herman Shapiro, comes and she confesses to him. She doesn't tell him the whole truth. She says that she has a, quote, vagabond half-brother 
who is living in the attic of their house. The one where Herman Shapiro is living. Yeah. And that he needs groceries and he needs to be checked on. Talk about a cuck. He's her lawyer and he's also going to feed her fuck toy. I don't know. Lawyers are sent out to do some really weird things sometimes. (laughs) They don't have any self-respect. You're right. Yeah. They're fucking parasites. Um... (laughs) She tells Herman Shapiro, she get she gives him the little combination knock to let Otto know that he can come down like the eight inch dick brown recluse. <laughs> like they had they had a system worked out like an all clear system where it's like, hey, knock three times, and uh, then I'll come out. So whatever that they never said in the newspapers what the system was, but Herman does go to the grocery store and get food. And he goes in and knocks on the trap door however many times. And when he does, thin, malnourished, pale, Otto Stan Huber comes crawling out of the attic like fucking Gollum from Lord of the Rings and friendly greets Herman. Very on brand for the scenario, you know, like, uh, yep. Now, Herman, or Otto hadn't seen another human being in uh, like a week at this point and hadn't spoken to another man maybe years, years, yeah, possibly years. So he's excited to see Herman because the only person really that he's interacted with um, in 10 years is Dolly. Unless he came across somebody at nighttime when he was taking those walks through the neighborhood. It was probably even then just a, hey, how you doing, you know, kind of thing. And he was starved for conversation. And pretty quickly, he begins confessing about his relationship with Dolly, Otto does, to Herman. And then Herman's like, And then Herman is like, wait a minute, you've been fucking her? And Otto's like, yeah, real good. For like a a decade. Look at this dick. It's got its own rib cage. (laughs) that's the reason my vision is blurry because the blood can't keep up that's why I gotta wear these big dumb looking glasses so they each get butt hurt and after a decade of living in the attic a heartbroken Otto Stan Huber just kinda stumbles off into the sunset Because he found out she's also fucking Herman Shapiro. He doesn't sound like the most in-tune individual. Like, he was born to be a hermit. Yes. I feel like I'm talking really loud. Am I talking really loud? Are you high? No. You sound high. Eh. I do that when I'm I'm stoned. Like, am I talking loud? But I am talking loud. Stop talking so long. (laughs) You've been talking for an hour. (laughs) Are they thinking about your tits? (laughs) Uh, I'm not high. Otto runs off to Canada Op. What? And changes his name to Walter M. Klein in order to evade police in the event that the murder that he had been a part of comes up again and it will so Otto runs away he goes to Canada changes his name to Walter M. Klein 
on August 30th, 1923, Dolly, keep in mind, through all this, Herman finding out about Otto, Otto finding out about Herman, Dolly's in jail. And on August 30th, 1923, after spending five months, five weeks, I'm sorry, five weeks in jail, Dolly is released on a $50,000 bail and begins waiting for her trial. Why, while in jail, she had lost 30 pounds in five Ooh. weeks. Wow. Yeah. That's hard to do. Probably not when you've got rats running over your stomach every night while you're trying to sleep. And I would imagine that the food in a jail in 1923 isn't top-notch, especially when you're used to filet mignon caviar. Also, I was just thinking about this. Otto was... (laughs) Think about it. Suddenly, this whole thing, he's a doofus, and and this whole thing is brought to light. He's probably automatically just instantly indigent, like destitute, right? Because she was think. she was every fight. She, she everything paid to him. For everything. Yeah. In 1924, Otto's living in Canada now under the name Walter Klein and working as a janitor at an apartment building. First job he's had since he was the sewing machine repairman back in what was it? 1913. Way back when. Um. It's here that he meets a young woman named Matilda, and they get married. So Otto San Huber, Stan Huber is now living in Canada under the name Walter Klein, married to a woman named Matilda. Meanwhile, back in Los Angeles, Dolly spends the next 16 months out on bail waiting for her trial. And on January 15th, 1925, after three years of postpones and red tape bullshit and appeals and chart the the trial being delayed and yada 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 all of the charges against dolly are dropped due to insufficient evidence all charges are dropped on in 1925 now the next five years of her life are pretty uneventful she spent them with herman shapiro her lawyer he moved in with her she he stayed with her even after the auto thing stayed with her so she spends the next five years living with herman and in 1930, after seven years of living with Dolly, Herman finds out that Dolly is cheating on him again. Wow. Yeah. Color me shocked. Yeah, She's fucking somebody else. Probably had been the whole time. And just like Clum had done in a little tantrum in a hissy fit, he moves out and then goes straight to the police and tells them everything that she had hinted at over the last seven years of their relationship. Wow. She had admitted to a few things while they were together. He goes like a butthurt little weasel and goes to the police and and tells them everything. And because of Herman's new information, 43-year-old Otto Stanhuber, who is now living as Walter Klein, is tracked down by the police in Los Angeles in Canada and arrested for the murder of Fred Ostrock. Really? Yes. The newspapers at the time called him the Batman because of his cave-like existence. And that's a way different movie than the one that we are accustomed to. (laughs) What if the entire Batman movies was just him being frail and living in an attic with a mask on and getting his brains fucked out nine times a day? Well... I I guess I would watch that. I was going to say... Yeah, it would. 
The Joker wow. is also just somebody else she's fucking. <laughs> it's a very loosely strung together story, but the sex just kind of glues it all together in a really awkward way. What makes him a villain in Batman's eyes is that he's also fucking her, but he's just a pizza delivery guy. <laughs> and this whole thing is filmed super cinematically, but it's all built in Otto's brain as this yes. like it's filmed the way like what was that movie with something yeah. well, uh, versus the world? His? Yes. Scott Pilgrim versus the world. Yes. <laughs> There's this On big this, elaborate universe. We call it the, I would I would name the movie Pizza and Pistols. <laughs> Penises. No, just Pizza and Pistols. Oh, okay. Uh, we'll call it Pizza and Pistols for the made for TV version. Yeah, because you know they're just the main at, main guys is kind of a nerd. Yeah, and when they're doing really the good fucks, at, they block that out. Yeah, it's really good at wording things in a way Movie's that makes seven them seem intelligent. <laughs> uh, On June eleventh, nineteen thirty, after a very short trial, the charges are dropped to manslaughter, and Otto Stan Huber is also released from police custody because of the statute of limitations on manslaughter. At the time, they were only three years. Really? Yeah. So he's free. By the way, the trials are over. Um, Otto's been cleared. Dolly's been cleared. And that's really the end of our story, because Otto lives out the remainder of his life with his wife, Matilda, in obscurity in Los Angeles. He changes his name once again to uh, Klein. To uh, Walter Klein, uh, stays off the radar for the rest of his life until his death. In 1931, Dolly meets another man by the name of Ray Burt Hedrick, and they begin dating. And now we jump forward 17 years to March 22nd, 1948. That's when 60-year-old, now 60-year-old Otto Sanhuber, the Batman of Los Angeles, he does pass away. He was buried under the name Walter M. Klein. 13 years after that, on March 24th, 1961, after dating Ray Burt Hedrick for 30 years, Walburga Dolly Ostrak marries him. They dated for 30 years before getting married, but unfortunately... What? What? Yeah. So, there it is. So, two, but two weeks later, on April 8th, 1961, two weeks after getting married, Dolly also dies at 80 years old, of cancer, at her home at 8433 Wilshire Boulevard. And that location, fittingly enough, is now a Bentley and Lamborghini dealership. Ah, snap! And that is the end of Dick in the Attic. That's what I was originally going to call this episode, the Dick in the Attic, but I think we're going to go with maybe Dolly's Attic or just Dolly Ostrak or whatever, and I guess, and bye. <laughs> what's what's really what's really interesting about this to me is like you 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 hear the whole tapestry of Dolly's life and 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 how it all played out and everything and so much of it seems boring like so much of it seems nor like normal except for the absolutely crazy parts right yeah. And it just makes me think, it makes me think how many, like, this, this has, this, this is probably, 
I mean, not this scenario, but how possible it is for just crazy, crazy things to be happening all around. She also seemed to be like Magneto, but if Magneto from X-Men attracted cocks instead of metal. You know how when Magneto walks down a hallway in one of the movies and the locks on the lockers all raise as he's walking past them? Yeah. That's what happened when Dolly walked through a group of men, only other dicks. They would stand. It was up. like a morning wood salute. Like, <laughs> yes. She was like. So she was. If they made a movie about her that way, it'd be called Gagneto. Yes. And that's probably already a movie if you go to Pornhub. I'm not going to. C-O-R-N-H-U-B. Superhero costumes. Got a dick on the front of it, on the chest. <laughs> got a cockhead shaped helmet. <laughs> Hang on. Gagneto. You, you just, ex- you just <laughs> described. Dolly. You just described um, the Blue Origin rocket. The, ah, the, that was. I'm. I must be tired. I am. I could. I possibly be tired all the time because. Yeah, I think that's <sighs> called depression. Yeah, that's what's going on. That's what's going. Like this whole episode, I I felt like I've just been like. Well, I also felt like I didn't give you an option to talk really that much because we had a lot of information to get through, and we're already. I don't know, almost two hours in. So I was like trying to get it done, you know. And I looking well, it, back, you know, a lot of times I feel guilty, but I don't this time. I'm glad I did that. That you d- you didn't give me a time. I yeah. still kind of i i was i was yeah. You weren't in a lot of what? A lot of intrusive thoughts and a wug and even a ah snap. Oh. G, Mister. Oh, G, Mister. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, we've been on record like a little bit behind the curtain, people. We've been on. We've been recording today for set six hours. Seven, Something like that. Yeah, seven hundred hours. I think that's part of it too. Like I'm sitting here on the recording, and I'm like, "This is real." I like. I love the stories you you tell. No, you don't. I Go love, fuck yourself. I, no, I do, and I'm. I listen, and I'm very engaged. Uh, two things happened during this one, though. A, I was like, and and people won't know this until they hear this whenever you release it, but. We recorded a daily earlier today, and I didn't edit it yet because it takes some time, and and we had to turn around because we finished what well, we were finished recording that like early noon. Yeah, like it was like uh, one o'clock. We were done yeah, so we o'clock. had to turn right around and do this recording at eight. <clears throat> I didn't have time, so uh, I am not going to release a daily till tomorrow. <laughs> but you'll know that in the future. I'm recording with Jack Luna tomorrow. Oh, cool. What are you guys doing next week? Like a brutal? We're going to do a, yeah, do a brutal tomorrow. That's cool. What are you and Deadbug talking about? I don't know yet. We we haven't figured out what we're going to talk about yet. I always just like hanging out with Deadbug. He's so interesting. He is. Yeah. And I think we've talked enough. I agree. If you like TCK, True Crime Kent, 
as it were. Um, rate us on iTunes and join us on Patreon at eleven fifty nine Media. Is actually just is it just eleven fifty nine? Patreon.com forward slash 1159 media, yeah. 1159 media. And uh, you'll get show, you'll get early releases of TCK, this show here, which I feel like I'm coming out with more consistent. But if you can't afford that, I understand it's hard times. Eggs, you got to make down payments on them. Um, <laughs> rate and review us on iTunes or wherever you listen. And thank you. And I love you guys. And don't die in a car wreck or something. And bye. And bye. Bye. Goodbye. I'm probably not going to call you. I'm tired. Thank God. Guess what? What? I love you. Yeah. Well, fuck you. Yeah. So, bye.